Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that got his car stuck in the sewers. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Guilty. <sighs> don't ask me how I did it, though. I don't know why you drove your car <laughs> into the thing that said you couldn't back up and just sucked it right into the sewers. Because it's there. Okay. So how are you doing this week? Doing okay. That's good. good. Doing all right. Super hot over there right now, I, pay- I take it? It could be worse. You want to know some bullshit, Brandon? What's some bullshit? Okay, Hit so me with some shit. It was like 40 degrees out yesterday. All the snow started melting or whatever. I go to sleep last night. I wake up and there's fucking more snow. I'm stuck at, I'm tired of the snow, Brandon. It's annoying. It's like some Groundhog Day business. <sighs> well, we're recording today, so I know it's not yesterday, so that's good. But you it's... said that yesterday. <sighs> Shut up. It's stupid. <laughs> So how's how are you doing, Brandon? How was your week? Did you do anything cool? Anything exciting? What's going on? Did you get your shit fixed? Uh, you know, I got fixed what needed to be fixed. Everything okay. else is just still broken. So no washer? <laughs> That's out. <laughs> oh, who needs one of those? Kids can go wash the shit by hand. That's what the colonials did. Right. Got a washboard. Just... Exactly. You gotta set up one of those doodads where you... Crank it and it smushes the water out of the clothes. You're good. Right. Just my kids just take the clothes down to the river. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Avoid, the Avoid giant all the snakes. <laughs> yeah, the snakes and spiders. Yes. And then they you clean know, we've them. Lost and, a few, but uh huh. And then they probably just hang it out to dry, like no big deal. Just hang it on a spider web. It's whatever. Yeah, and things dry here like instantly. The oh sun right. Just bakes them and they're I could, done. I can hear your voice drying as it escapes your lips. Yeah, you can hear your clothes when they crackle, you know it's done, you just go peel them off the line. Nice. Well, I have a story for you, Brandon, are you interested in hearing about it? Yeah, I okay. am, I really am. Alright, well. That may have sounded sarcastic, but it wasn't, I'm sincere. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't think there was a lick of sarcasm in there. So, you know that I like to cook, right? Yes. Did you see my, my beautiful meal about a week ago that I prepared, with the cinnamon rolls and all? Yes, I did. Alright, so if you guys are interested, I like to cook. I post uh, some cooking, you know, videos or whatever. Not really like that, but I post pictures and progress pictures and stuff in case you want to follow along on Instagram at Private Island Presents. Anyway, last weekend I made a beautiful, delicious dinner. It had, uh, I made homemade cinnamon rolls and I made orange chicken and uh, some rice and some vegetables and a whole bunch of goodies, right? Making the cinnamon rolls was tough, you know, I had to make all the, I had to yeast it up and make the dough and all that and roll it up and it was, it was a lot of work. So I put them in the oven and I worked on my other food preparations and stuff and tried to finish dinner all at the same time, right? Right. So I've got the, I got the cinnamon rolls in the oven. I'm battering my chicken and to, so I can fry it and my wife opens up the oven and she says, um, you got a fire in here. <laughs> Did she say it just like that? Yeah, she did. <laughs> just kind of nonchalantly, like, "Hey, did anyone leave a fire in here?" Yeah. So Is this anyone's fire? The the goo in between the cinnamon rolls, like the cinnamon and sugar, and I put a little bit of brown sugar in there. It melted, um, like it it poured over a little bit of light, lighter fluid, like no biggie. Yeah, it poured over the tin and hit the bottom of my oven, and it started a literal fire. So. <laughs> She opened up the um, oven door and just, like, soot came out of it and flew, like, all over my fucking house. So there's still, like, black soot. Yeah. 
And I'm sitting there. Oh, God. I got, like, egg and breadcrumb shit on my fingers because I'm bread and chicken. And I'm just like, uh, just, ugh. So I had to clean my hands (laughs) and I had to get the fucking cinnamon rolls out. And uh, my wife threw a flour on the fire, but there was uh, just, like, coming out of the oven. It was crazy. I burned my floor because I took out the rack and the sugar on the rack dripped on my floor and now I got little burn marks on my floor, which is fine because oh, it's like Jesus Christ, <laughs> goddamn cinnamon rolls. I will say though, the cinnamon rolls—they'll be, the, uh, be the death of us all. I've, I've said that before. The cinnamon rolls ended up turning out really well, so uh, mission success. Oh, so thank boom. God, successful. I was just thinking during this whole thing, like I hope you got cinnamon rolls out of. The- this whole ordeal i was really worried because like i had to rip them out of the oven and uh, i was worried they weren't going to be cooked all the way and they weren't like a hundred percent they were probably like 95 percent there but that's good enough for me that's a passing grade <laughs> yeah one of the best parts of making cinnamon rolls is that it smells like cinnamon rolls while you're cooking it so did the did this flaming inferno <laughs> Like, interfere with the delicious cinnamon roll scent? Yeah, it did. It smelled like fire. Oh, well, damn. But yeah, uh, are you ready to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark? <sighs> yeah, I, I am. Alright, so Brandon and I just got done watching uh, The Tale of the Silver Sight Part 3, which is the series finale for us. Done. Fucking done. This is it. Uh, what'd you think about the third part of Silver Sight? I think i found it a bit disappointing yeah or maybe not disappointing just a little underwhelming do you think it's because we didn't watch it all together yeah probably i think i think i know what you're talking about and uh i think we probably i wish we could have been able to just do it all together because i think that it deserves to be watched all together just didn't really have time to wrap everything up nicely yeah and to give the story a real I don't know the words I'm looking for here. Do you feel, okay, I mean, we're going to spoil a little bit. Like, do you feel like after they get all the records that it just kind of moves too quickly? Yeah, it's just kind of a lot of build up, you know, three episodes worth of build up. Everybody does their little side quest. Yeah. And then they get all the MacGuffins, get it together, and, you know, Uh, it just ends. Yeah, they're just like, done. Yeah, I I feel like there's a bit of um a wasted uh opportunity. It would be like if in Lord of the Rings they get to Mount Doom, yeah, and they're looking around like, uh, what do we got to do? Just drop the ring in here, and then they just drop it, and that's it. Evil's vanquished. <laughs> and they walk home. Yeah, kind of a little bit. I like it. It's fun. There's some cool shots, and um, I don't know. I. I Let's just talk about it. I think we should talk about it. Yeah. So our episode begins with another recap of what happened from the first episode. There's the whole campfire scene where Gary gets the Midnight Society get together. Um, they got to get the records. They got to destroy the Silver Sight. After that scene, we get the title card for the Riddle Man. Yeah. How exciting. And I, I, I like riddles, so I was really looking forward to this. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be some... Same. Andy's gonna be challenged to the max. Vanja's gonna be like, "Ah, I don't get it! You know? It's gonna be great. And then we play out the scene in Gary's dorm again, and it's all the same. Megan spritzes perfume, and Gary gets the call about his grandma getting attacked. And then we get the additional part of Quinn walking in and getting the picture of the Midnight Society. 
Um, but this time we hang back with Andy and Vange. So on my copy of the video that I was watching, and I wrote this down, it was three minutes and five seconds until we got any new footage at all. Um, That's a big chunk of the episode. Yeah, yeah. So at 1.50 is when the little title card for the Riddle Man comes up, and then we still have another scene of old stuff. It was, um, I'm going to say, this is probably one of the easiest episodes I've had to do my notes on. Like, there's still a lot of talking and everything, um, but just having the old stuff in there um, <laughs> makes it really easy. It's cool, yeah. though. Like, I, I feel like this is something that would be a lot more fun if we were watching it all together as an hour and a half long thing. Not having that recap in every episode and then um, just kind of naturally going back in time to see what everybody was up to would be way better than the way that we're doing it. Yeah. So Vange says that they got the worst assignment and Andy suggests they try using the internet to find him since they can't. he can't just vanish without a trace. And I think I said that part in part two, but... It gets kind of expanded on here, and Vance tells Andy, yeah, but this guy's been dead for, what, 50 years now? And Andy's all, yeah, even so, there's got to be some record somewhere. And Vance then lists off the places so, they tried. Yeah. I just have to say, like, Vance, by this point, has probably heard a little bit about what everyone else has been up to. Mm -hmm. And, like, Megan's digging around in sewers and almost getting hit by fake trains. Right. They They went to the library. And she thinks they have the worst assignment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, Quinn didn't be like, oh, I got chased by a fake dog. So, I don't know. He didn't even mention about how he almost got hit by a fucking car, but whatever. Yeah. All part of a day for Quinn. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, they're sitting here doing boring shit and all the other kids are like, yeah, there's this dumb kid with a bowl cut that keeps following us around. <laughs> I hate him. Vance lists off the places that they tried, including the town hall, the hospitals, the schools. She's like, there's nowhere else to look. Andy reaches down on his seat, and he pulls out a phone book that Vange was sitting on. Because she's so short, she needs a phone book to, like, prop herself up on, on the seat, right? And uh, there's another book sitting there, and he slams it down, and Vance looks at it, and Andy looks at Vange, and he laughs, saying, it couldn't be that easy, could it? Do you remember phone books? Man, they were like yeah. the answer to everything. They had phone numbers in them. They did. Van opens up the phone book, rolling her eyes, and flips to the MC section. And then Andy points, saying, McGorrell, B, his name's Bruce. But Van just all, he's dead. Why would he be in the phone book? And Andy says, I got another one for you. Look at the address. Who would live there? And we get a zoomed in shot of the address in the book. And it's for Playland. That's pretty cool. It is, right? Do you think that's what that's what would be the address? No. <laughs> but I like it anyway. It's pretty great. It's the same playland from Tale of Laughing in the Dark. And by same I mean in name because it's Presumably. I don't it's, yeah. I don't think it's the it's same. It's a franchise. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think it's the same carnival or whatever you want to call it that they used the footage of. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of that was just stock footage Probably anyway. Not. But uh yeah, it's cool. I like But it. you know, it's good that it's there yeah nice little throwback like every episode in season seven so far has had some fun throwbacks to earlier episodes so that fades and we get a cool sweeping shot of a small amusement park that's kind of on the water and andy says kind of eerie when it's empty we cut over to the two and vange walks past a funhouse mirror saying hey look at that and Andy's all nah those things creep me out like what doesn't creep him out though he doesn't like faceless masks or 
Funhouse mirrors. What's wrong with this kid? That is two things, yeah. Well, <laughs> he just seems to kind of... He, he's a, a very timid person in general. Yeah, I suppose so. He walks away as Vance tells him not to be a chicken. It's just a goof. <laughs> they just had to throw it in there, didn't they? I like to think that's a reference. It's, uh, it's gotta be. It's just a goof, Brandon. It's no big deal. Vance is just having a goof. It's just having a goof. She runs up to the mirrors and she starts jumping around. And she moves to another one where she does this little dance. <laughs> yeah. She walks in front of a third one and pretends to be fat, I guess, even though it doesn't change her at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't. But they told her to have some goofs in front of the mirror. Yeah, she she went there. Like, that little dance was pretty great. We hear a whoosh noise and she walks in front of a fortune teller machine that is actually just a wave kid. He's back and he's better than ever. She takes a look at it and she shrugs a little and starts walking away. When the kid calls after her, want to hear your fortune, Vange? And then it gives her a You want to be big, Vange? Oh my god. Vange gasps and she runs back to the machine and the kid smiles some more and Andy pops up saying, Come on, we don't have much. But he gets interrupted by a man walking in front of him who says, Whoa there, didn't mean to spook you. Andy asks if he's Bob McGorrell as Vange comes running up to his side and Bob's all, Yeah. As far as I know, Vange asks, Bruce McGorrell's sure brother? I that's Bob McGorrell, because I don't want to oh mess God. with any weird old guys walking around in abandoned amusement parks. I know, right? Bob points saying, right again, you okay now? Wait, why does he say you okay now? Ah, whatever. Andy tells him, yeah, thanks for seeing <laughs> us. Bob tells the kids, oh no, thank you. I've been waiting a long time for your call. Vange is all, you have? And Bob tells them, ever since his brother died. Vange and Andy look at each other, and Andy slowly asks how his brother died. Which I don't think is something that you should ask, right? That seems kind of rude. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would be like, I'm sorry for your loss. Bob kind of looks at them, and then nods. Give me the gruesome deets, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I need to know, how did he die? Did you see his brains? (laughs) Bob kind of looks at them, and then nods and motions for them to follow, saying, well, it's right over here. So, the kids follow... (laughs) His body's still here. <laughs> Vance takes Vance takes one last look at the fortune teller machine before they move on. And you know what? Before we move on, we have a character to meet. How exciting. Bob McGorrell. Did you recognize him, Brandon? He's been in the show before. I believe you. No, I didn't. That's okay. He's played by the late Walter Massey. And you might remember him as the grandpa in the tale of The Room for Rent. Oh, I'm glad I didn't. It's okay. Because I would have had preconceived notions and been like, oh, this guy sucks. Oh, this episode's going to suck. I know. He He's done a lot of other stuff, like a voicing Papa Beaver in Papa Beaver's Storytime. That sounds very Canadian. <laughs> he also did some, some voices in Samurai Pizza Cats, uh, Country Mouse and City Mouse, and he was in Snake Eater 2, The Drug Buster. Which is a movie from 1989 about a Vietnam vet that breaks out of a mental institution. To go after drug dealing gangsters that are selling contaminated drugs that are killing people. How amazing is that? Sounds alright. Yeah, right. Okay, so back to the episode. We're looking at a big old Ferris wheel, and Bob exclaims that Bruce loved this place. He loved having fun. That's the kind of guy he was. At this point, we're on ground level with them, and they're all walking through some Most like, people fences. Like having fun. Fences, fun is, fun is alright. That's why we started a podcast. In moderation, of course. Yes. It's like the food pyramid. It's. No. Right at the top. I don't know if it's at the top. (laughs) 
So Bob says that uh, that he bought Playland. And Vance is all he did. Bob tells him, yup, youngest amusement park owner in the world. Then he passed it on to me. I suppose I should retire. But, but being here feel, makes me feel as if he's still around. This was his favorite ride. And we look up and we see like these bars of this metallic ride and it starts creaking. I think it might be the roller coaster, but I'm not sure what it is. I thought it was the Ferris wheel. Maybe it is. I don't know. I thought it was the Ferris wheel, and I thought it was weird that that'd be his favorite, because Ferris wheels are so boring. They are boring. Do you remember that one time that I puked off the side of a Ferris wheel? God. Yeah, I do. One of my lowest moments in life, I think. <laughs> Hot dogs and Sprite will do that to you. It, it was actually lemonade and fucking sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst. Bob tells us that one day he climbed up to fix a cable. He slipped and he fell. And he asks, so it was an accident. Bob's all, that's what they think. Vange asks what he thinks, and Bob talks about how Bruce knew this ride better than a spider knows its web. There's no way he would have fallen on his own. Somebody or something pushed him. Do you think spiders ever fall out of their web? Hmm. I've never seen it happen. Like, just slip? I don't think so. Andy kind of stares at this guy for a moment, and he says, So we came to get something? And Bob, who was lost in thought, looks at him saying, huh? Like, wrap it up, Bob. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, Come on this way. Yeah, come on, Bob. Times is dimes. Stop talking about your dumb brother. He's dead. Just like we're all going to be if you don't stop talking. <laughs> we cut over to a new part of Playland, and Bob's leading the kids over to a different ride. It looks like the Scrambler. And he's saying, Bruce told me someday somebody would come looking for this thing. And told me only to give it to them if there were more than one person. That's odd. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I don't um, I don't get that part. Was Bruce McGorrell like a psychic or something? I don't, I don't get it. I think like he knew at that point that there was a traitor in the Midnight Society. And I think he assumed that if the traitor were coming for it, they would come alone. Oh, so just okay. literally anyone else, give it to them. Okay. I guess that makes a little bit of sense. I was just like, uh, I don't, I don't understand. Because they don't really explain it. Like, there's no significance to them being together. Maybe, maybe because to get the record piece, it needs two people. I don't know. Like, they're only together because Vange was like, I don't want to go alone. So, yeah. If he just sent Andy out there and he was like, so can I get that record? He'd be like, fucking nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be like. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell him, like, my brother said only if there's two people. Because that would be the worst security ever. Yes. <laughs> so they would just never get that piece. Even Bob McGorrell, though, he giggles and asks them why that why he supposes that is, that they needed two people. Like, even the show is just like, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just because. Just, just why not? Andy tells him that he doesn't have any clue, and we watch Bob lift out the top of a little ashtray or a post or something, and he's saying, my brother was a good person. A long time ago, he he took something terrible and hit it, so his friends wouldn't get hurt. I don't know what it was, but I think it had something to do with his death. Bob pulls out a little leather wallet-looking thing from a spot, and he slips out a note, and he asks the kids if they want this, and Vange is all, uh, not really, but Andy reels it in saying, yeah, we do. So Bob hands Andy the folded note. He opens it up, and it's a picture of a rectangle with an arrow on top. This isn't a piece of record, you'll notice. No, it's a note. It's an old-ass note. Came all this way just for another side This quest. is what he... This is Riddle, man. He's a, Andy asks what this shit is, and Bob laughs just saying, 
saying just like Bruce, he was a riddle man. He loved puzzles and brain teasers and whatnot. Vange says she doesn't get it. And we look at it again and there's some numbers. So Bob reads 429 32nd Street. Well, that's the house that we grew up in. I don't know what the picture is, but my guess is whatever it is you're looking for, you'll find it in our old house. Andy nods his head and Vange tells him, I told you we had the worst assignment. Andy folds up the note saying thanks to Bob and they walk away as Bob says, Kids, Bruce and those Midnight Society friends of his got mixed up in something ugly. Do what you gotta do. Just be careful. And they nod and they walk away. We cut over to a different part of Playland and Andy tells Vange that this house is right next to his and suggests that they call Gary and tell him they're on their way. Vange lags behind a little saying, wait, my shoelace. And we hear some metal creaks, and I totally thought that something was going to fall near her. Yeah, same. But instead, we get that whoosh sound, and Vange looks over on the Ferris wheel, and that kid is standing on one of the carts, and it's and he's looking at her, and he slowly shakes his head no at her. And I thought it was hilarious. No, what? <laughs> like, it's literally like, just fucking stop, man. Just quit it. <laughs> it reminded me of the gif of the guy that, like, looks at a girl, and then the, the guy, like, slides into frame and shakes his head no. It reminded me of that. Oh, you mean the one from Encino Man? Is that Encino Man? Yes. God. Nope, not that one. Must be a different <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, I was just waiting for Encino Man to come up in conversation naturally again. How long has it been? Since Time Trap or something? I don't remember. It was the it was the statue one. That was a long time ago, even though it feels like it wasn't. Vance calls out, Andy! Hey, Andy! And then she looks back over, but the kid is gone, so she just runs away. We cut to a dilapidated house, and Andy is just smashing that doorbell over and over again. And Vance complains that nobody's home. Andy looks the house over, and he says that he doesn't think anybody's lived here for a long time. Vance tells him, come on. Jesus. And they walk away. They go from the abandoned amusement park to the abandoned house. Yes. It's like everywhere that Bruce leaves just falls into disrepair. <laughs> I mean, eventually. No just keeping this world together. Come on. We needed you, Bruce. Okay, so before we go on to the next scene, I have to ask, Brandon, when you seen the rectangle with the triangle, what did you think it was? Did you have any idea yet? Um, I didn't have an idea, no. Oh, okay. At first. Alright. Because uh, I seen that thing and I was like, okay, that's a well. Obviously, that's a well. That's a fucking okay. it's a well lizard and stuck and in well. I didn't notice, but also, like, the very first thing I would have done if I was like, what is this thing? Is flip the paper around. Yeah. And then I would have said, oh, that's a well. Okay. <laughs> so this guy, this riddle man, was like, I'm gonna leave this riddle. Mm -hmm. It's an address and a feature... That will be very obvious once you get to this address. Yeah. It's the worst goddamn riddle I've ever seen. Yeah, but like, he, I don't know. He had the foresight to like specify that someday two people are going to come and look for, I don't know. Okay, I can't, I can't even explain it. Just put the piece of record in there. Yeah. This is just busy work. It is, it is. That's like saying it's at this Walmart and it's, it's in the bread aisle. You'll see it right there. It's not like that at all, but it's it's the first thing I can think of because I'm hungry for bread, I guess. They don't do they even have Walmarts in Australia? No, they do not. Okay, that's really weird that you still think of Walmart then. Um <laughs> Okay, I'll go go down to the Woolworths. Yeah, there we go. And it'll be right there in It's the, right next to the sausage kebabs. In the wallaby aisle. <laughs> so, um 
I, I do have to say though, Brandon, it is um, consistent with all the other Midnight Society members. Like besides their whole misadventures that we didn't get to see of them going to the library and the hospital and all that nonsense, they also have to go somewhere else first before they can get their record. So like. Tucker and Gary had stopped at Candle's place. Uh, Megan made one trip in the sewer beforehand, and and Quinn mm-hmm. made one trip to the um, junkyard before he got the record piece. So at least it didn't just get handed to them. They had to do what everybody else did. Does that make sense? I don't think it does, but it does make sense. It just it feels more egregious because the riddle is so stupid. Yeah, for somebody called the Riddle Man, it just he, he literally just. It's not a riddle. He put the address and it's then a he map. Yeah. <laughs> and says X marks the spot right here, buddy. <sighs> well, Andy and Vange make their way to the backyard and there's an abandoned truck and Vange flips that note open with a sigh saying, there's not enough information. And we look around this yard with its abandoned swing set and shopping cart and Andy says, hold on. And he walks over to a well and Vange flips the paper over and the picture looks like that well she's like, oh, cool. And Andy tells her, this is it. He hid the record in here. Vange looks at the note saying, yeah, but it says he hid it. And they look down the well and she says, down there. And and the camera like backs up and it looks pretty cool. And Andy looks at Vange. He smiles and he grabs rope and Vange is all, oh, no. But next scene, we watch Andy crank that bucket and, and rope down the well. And Vange is sitting on the bucket and she is headed right down that well. Um... I kind of like this part. Um, Andy asks if she's okay, and she's all, if you are. Andy cranks that lever, and she goes down, and he says, I got you, no sweat. With Vange in the well, she's touching the wall, saying that it must be behind one of these rocks. And then we hear some gurgles. And Vange asks if that was Andy's stomach. And he tells her, give me a break. And we hear some more weird noises, and Vange looks down in the well, and she asks if Andy heard that. And he didn't. And we hear some more gurgles, and Vange looks up at saying, Andy! And he nonchalantly tells her to hurry up. So she frantically starts looking around and she finds a loose stone. She pulls it out and she grabs the piece of broken record that is behind it. She tells him, I got it. And Andy starts uh, turning the crank the other way, but it's caught and it won't move up. So Vange starts screaming for him to get her out of there. And we'll look down in the well and like this ghostly face can be seen at the bottom of it. Yeah. I don't know what the hell the thing is. It's like if fog had a face. It's very white and I don't know I ethereal it was water and smoke. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know like, why it doesn't why look it that is. great. But um, I think this is probably the most. No, it tense actually looks kind of, of the terrible. episode. <laughs> I appreciate the tense tenseness of it. So I thought for sure she was gonna drop it. Oh, the record piece. Yeah, I thought she was gonna be like, "Ooh, I dropped it," and then they would have to go down where Ugh. the monster is, and there'd be some big cavern that'd be cool but nope i'm sorry that's spoilers no, we don't have time for that because we had to have three minutes of recap yeah exactly the ghost face flashes away and vanch screams and then she hurls the rock down at it which is exactly what i would do it hits the thing down there and then it roars a little as she screams and begs andy to get her out of there we cut over to andy who's given up on the crank and he is just tug of war pulling the rope out of the well Vange is screaming. That face is coming up out of the well after her. And Andy pulls her up. And finally she gets to the top. Andy uh, helps get her out of there. And a CG ghost hand grabs for her. And then gets sucked back in the well. And Andy asks her what that was. And Vange tells him that she doesn't think she wants to know. But 
oh, we got it. And she pulls out the record and that says, know your true enemy. I like it. Uh, wells are scary. <laughs> just going to say that. Yeah. Just not usually much good associated with Wells these days. No. I don't think there's ever been a, a story that ended well <laughs> with a well. Something. <laughs> good one. Something bad coming out of them or someone getting stuck in them. Yeah. That's all they're good for. And and water, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Just like, this is like a tertiary <laughs> benefit of a well. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy, and your Are You Afraid That Art veteran, since this is the final episode of the original run of the show. We finally finished all 91 episodes. Whether you're a longtime fan or you just found us, we're so glad you're spending some time with us and enjoying our show. I'd like to start out by thanking all of our patrons, the Bronze Beth, Eddie, Mia, Tristan, and newest patron, Venice Witch, the Silver Goth, Shane, Stephen, Matt, and Jer Lynn, the Golden Day Days, Angela, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, Evelyn, Matt, and Kaylee. Thank you, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. If you'd like to be like these amazing people and get hours of bonus content, access to full-length episodes the moment I've finished editing, and get some sweet stuff in the mail, become a patron today at patreon.com slash private island. Don't worry, we're planning on podcasting well after Are You Afraid of the Dark is completed. Our Season 7 giveaway is in full swing, and we're giving away two Up All Night shirts. If you'd like to win, check out the pinned tweet on our Twitter, and find our post on Instagram. Just tag a buddy, retweet, or interact however you'd like to enter into win. Of course, all patrons automatically get entered into win as well. Looking for more laughs? Follow us on Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents. We make a bunch of content for each episode that really enhances our show, like GIFs, memes, videos, and Are You Afraid of the Dark abridged episodes. You can also join up on our Discord server, check out our TikTok account, and join our Facebook group. A link to all of our socials, the Patreon, Discord server, updated merch store, and more can be found in the episode description. Check it out today. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the show. Next week is the Season 7 and Series Wrap-Up. I'll talk to you soon. Bye! But, um... We we cut to our final title card, The Silver Sight. And this time we hear Gary talking. I'm convinced now more than ever that we've got to find the Silver Sight... And destroy it. We cut back, and we're in Gary's dorm room now, and Gary's got the record back together. He's got it, like, duct taped together or something. And <laughs> and um, and Tucker walks by him saying, we can't ask you guys to keep going. You should take off. And Megan sits down next to Quinn saying that they still don't know what the silver sight is, but we have seen it hurt a lot of people. Quinn adds in, yeah, I think we all want to be there when this bad boy goes down. Gary looks around saying, really? All of you? Quinn tells Gary to spin the disc, man. The hard part's over, dude. Uh, well, they don't know that. <laughs> they put them through the tough trial, and then he's like, oh, I can't I can't put you guys through this danger. <laughs> they all almost died a little bit. Yeah. So he sighs, saying, all right, we've uncovered a long trail of terror and sadness. Let's hope this helps us end it. And he puts the record up on the record player and hits play, and we get 
this long message. If you're listening to this, it means you're working together, and that's good. good. I hope I'm with you, but I'm afraid I might be the next victim of the silver sight. This thing has got to be stopped. Whatever it promises, the evil it delivers is far worse. Remember, it was the power of the group that raised the, the demon. It'll take the power of the group to destroy it. But you have to know who your true enemy is. Don't give in to its dark promises. Good luck. Goodbye. So basically, this message is talking about how the Silver Sight sucks, and it's going to take the power of the group to destroy it. He tells them not to give into its dark promises, and then he says goodbye a bunch of times because the record just kind of skips right there. And Gary stops that shit, looks at the gang, and Andy pipes up saying that he was killed the next day. Vange asks, so, what should we do? Gary sighs and says, let's look at the clues. He turns around to a big piece of paper with all five clues written on it, and it says, listen to the music, not all the eyes are brown, it's a race that has no winners with many ups and downs, and then know your true enemy. Tucker asks, who's the true enemy? The traitor that used the silver sight. Vance says, well, that's a lo- that's Lang Candle. It has to be. Everyone else is gone. Quinn adds in that he put Vince in the hospital to try and get to Donna Tilton. Megan adds, and nearly killed me in the sewer. Gary's all, he could have been the one at Grandma's looking for the record. We cut over to Andy who smiles and says, I got it. And the gang doesn't hear him though, and, and Tucker goes on about how Lang set him up at his house and Quinn says, he wants the silver sight. No doubt about it. And Tucker's all, maybe we should go. Wait, what did you say? And he turns to look over at Andy, who's smiling, saying, I, I said I got it. They ask, got what? And he walks over to Gary, saying, I know where, this, where he had the silver sight. It's all right there. And we look again at the clues from the record. Um, Brandon, did you figure out where the silver sight was hidden based on those clues? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I already knew, so like I'm not gonna say if I knew or not, but it's pretty. I, I mean, was probably it's like, helped along by the uh, the fact that the the thumbnail for this video for me was a carousel. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that they were like having the discussion, talking over the clues, and you know, trying to talk it out. And the writers were just like, we don't have time for this shit. Let's just have Andy be like, I know everything. Andy kind of, like, saves the day in this episode. I don't know why, though. Like, he gets to do this part where he's like, oh, I fucking know where it is. And then later on, he gets to be like, you know, hey, let's do this. And it's kind of weird to me. They should have given it to somebody else. At least one of those to somebody else. But whatever. Andy's a genius. Yeah, I don't know. This is like the Andy redemption arc. He was... He didn't fall once in season seven, as far as I can remember. He's just sitting on the clues of everything they need, bit by bit. <laughs> it's like just a sitting on the it. well, like, oh, can't be that easy, can it? And he's sitting on a carousel, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> the scene fades, and we get some fucking dope-ass rendition of the Are You Afraid of the Dark God, theme. So cool. And the entire gang is walking side by side through some fog. And uh, pretty great. We get a close up. Amazing. It pans across all the characters. That's the money shot, man. That's what the trailer. It's a trailer shot. I love a good slow motion walk. It's so good. It. I wish it would have been a little bit longer, but that's okay. Whatever. But again, they didn't have the time. No, and they also didn't have the Betty Ann or the Frank or 
I told myself I wouldn't complain about that, though, so let's move on. Yeah, let's be real, though. It's a shame that the old cast never got the opportunity for a series or movies like this where they actually got to do things other than sit around a campfire. Yeah, I agree with you, but I'm going to say they got Cutter's treasure, but that doesn't make sense to the what you just said. Nope. We cut over to a much less foggy section. <laughs> like, they get through that fog and then it's smooth sail from there. <laughs> and Andy says, all the clues. Listen to the music. A race that has no winners with many ups and downs. I bet you it's all right here. And we look over and Andy has led them to a carousel at Playland. And Megan's all, the music on the record. Merry-go-round music. Andy adds in that Bruce McGorrell owns Playland. Vange asks where it is, and Quinn's all, wait, yeah, oh yeah. And he runs up to the horse, and he looks at them, saying that the last clue, not all the eyes are brown. I'm seeing a lot of brown eyes here, man. Tucker calls out, the silver sight. One of the eyes must be silver. So they're, like, up on the carousel now, and investigating all the horses. Yep. And then Andy's sitting on the one with silver eyes, and he's like, oh, it can't be that easy, can it? <laughs> and my Andy senses his tingling. <laughs> <laughs> the kids all break apart, and they start looking at the eyes of all the horses. And Megan stops on one, saying, um, hey guys, I think I got something. Look! And we get a look at this one horse's eyes, who uh, that that's blue. And Quinn tells the gang, that's not silver, that's blue. <laughs> Oh, I think you're right. Tucker reaches into his pocket and takes out a coin. He lifts it to the eye and he starts scraping away the paint. And Andy looks at it saying, it's silver. Oh man, that's it. That's the silver sight. Tucker slowly touches the silver sight with one finger. And then he says, it's warm, like it's alive. And Megan scrunches her face and goes in to touch it too. And the silver sight glows a little. They rip their fingers away and Tucker's all, did you see that? So then they do it again. <laughs> yeah. The two touch it again, and this time Gary lends a finger too, and the light gets even brighter. And they pull their finger away, and Gary says, it's like the more people that touch it, the more it responds. Fange looks up at him saying, that's what the record said. It's all about the power of the group. Andy looks at Gary saying, of course. Maybe we should all touch it together. So like he gets this point too. He was just sitting on everyone's fingers. It can't be this easy. <laughs> <laughs> so the group looks up at the camera and they all point their finger at it. And then we switch and they're all putting their finger on the eye of that horse. So this finger scene mm -hmm. must have only been like 20 seconds. But I swear it felt like forever of them <laughs> just putting one finger on and then being like, whoa, what if we put two fingers on? <laughs> Hey, three fingers? This is getting crazy. All the fingers? <laughs> yeah. I know. I didn't notice because it was so easy to take my notes. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah! Finger touching, got it. The horse's eye glows really bright, and it gives a little shock sound, and then the silver sight flies out of the horse and into Gary's hand. The merry-go-round bursts to life. All the lights flash on and it starts spinning around and playing some music. And Gary looks down at the silver sight and up at the merry-go-round. The kids all back up from it slowly and we hear the whoosh sound again and the kid is now sitting on a horse. By the kid, I mean the wife, the wife kid. And, um, and it comes around from the backside and he's smiling and he laughs a bunch and he gets off the merry-go-round and he's clapping saying, congratulations, you win. I tried to scare you off, but you were all too good. And now the silver sight is yours. 
Gary looks at this kid saying, all right then, tell me what it is. And the kid's all, don't you know? It's the power to conquer. Armies have won wars with it. Kingdoms have toppled. Cities have fallen. And now it's all yours. Andy tells this shit. Uh, Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Andy tells this shit. Uh, we're not exactly at war with anyone. But the kid tells him, sure you are. Everyone has enemies. A mean parent. A bad teacher. A bully. Anyone who stands between you and what you want. Just tell the silver sight and poof, they're gone forever. Quinn asks who this kid is, and he says, I'm here to help you along. Okay, so, I have a question. Yeah. This kid is telling them that that silver sight just kills people, right? Basically. So how did um all these, like, how did Bruce McGregor, Bruce McGonnell, or whatever, I don't remember his name. How did Bruce get money Bruce. to buy Playland with it? How did um Eleanor get money for the stock market? Like, how did... He's not telling him everything. I wondered the same thing, yeah. Like, he looked at Gary and was like, this kid wants to kill people. I'm just going to tell him about the, that part of it. <laughs> I mean, I get how you could win wars with it. Yeah. I don't get how you could be popular with it. Exactly. If it's just obliterating people you don't like. I guess you could just obliterate all the people who don't, you know, don't pay attention to you. And then you're just left with people who like you. Yeah, and or boom, you're instantly popular. Or you could obliterate everybody that is more popular than you so that you, by default, become the most popular. Yeah, I guess you're the most popular. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't really get but, it. But whatever. <laughs> the merry-go-round shuts off, and the kids whirl around and bandages all, uh-oh. But fucking Land Candle walks up from the carousel. Oh, damn. He says, put that thing down, son. You're playing with fire. The Waif Kid runs over to stand next to Vange and Gary, saying, Here's your first chance. Tell the Silver Sight he's your enemy. Lane Candle calls out that he's not trying to help you, Gary. Gary's all, No? Then what is he doing? And Lang tells Gary that the kid is a demon that's collecting souls. The thing may get rid of your enemies for you, but their souls end up trapped forever in that vicious little charm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Tucker yells at the general, saying, And who are you to talk? You're the traitor who used the Silver Sight. Lang starts walking up to the kids saying, don't you get it? It wasn't just me. We all used it. Megan's all, what? No way. And Lang tells him it's true. It made Donna popular. It made Eleanor rich. It even helped Bruce buy this amusement park. But it wasn't just one person. We all used the silver sight. Tucker yells, not Grandpa Gene. But Lang's all, yes, Gene too. But he didn't know it was evil. We didn't know what horrors it would bring. And by the time we realized, it was too late. Did no one tell them when they got it? Like, hey, you put anybody's name here and they'll be obliterated. I don't. Did they get that little speech? Yeah. Because like, be like, well, we, we didn't know. Did the Waif kid come out and We and just thought they would be obliterated in a good way. I have a question, Brandon. What did Grandpa Gene use this fucking thing for then? Because... He didn't get all the riches. He's not rich. He's not popular. No. <laughs> He's nothing. He's just some garbage old man. He got to marry a woman? I don't I don't know. He has to live in Canada? Like I don't know. Did maybe he got the magic mansion? I don't know. So I guess in the in a in a way, Brandon, you're right. Grandpa Gene is the traitor. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Right? Well, you called it. Tucker doesn't believe any of that shit, and Wave Kid tells Gary, Now, Gary, tell the Silver Sight he's your enemy, and he'll be gone. Gary asks Lang what happened to his grandfather, and the general steps down saying that he was a good man. He tried to find the charm and destroy it, but something happened. He got scared. His heart couldn't take it. 
I think he got too close and he got burned by that demon. Gary looks at that shit kid who shakes his head and says, Who are you going to believe? A kid like me or the guy who broke into your grandma's house? The ghost kid who magically appears to say ominous things and then tries to kill you? Or an old man? Yeah, exactly. Old man wins every time. Oh, spoilers. Yep, kill the old man. I mean, like, like you know how this is going to end. Lang tries saying that he was just trying to put the clues together before they did, and he was trying to protect the kids. Wife kid runs over and sits down on a bench on the merry-go-round. Lang walks closer to Gary, saying, Please, Gary. Give it to me. And Gary kind of looks around a little and says, I don't know what to do. And Quinn pipes up saying, The last clue. Know your true enemy? That's the only way to beat it. Which, you know what? That's a really weird clue to put on the record piece. So maybe they did know that wife kid was there, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Then we hear Grandma call out, Gary? And we look over to see Grandma Aggie, uh, Mr. Gregory. For some reason. Bob and Vince. They're all there. Why are they there? They they have no point in this story. I'm just going to say it right now. (laughs) No. Grandma, like, she has a line or two. The other three, they just kind of look at it, and and that's it. Like, they're just there to experience it, I guess. I don't know. It was a very wasted opportunity. They didn't get to do anything. Megan looks at Gary saying, whatever happens, we're in this as a group, right? Gary nods, and he walks closer to Lang saying, you, you lied to us from the start. Lang's all, I was just trying to protect you. Gary continues saying, you broke into my grandmother's house, and you nearly got Megan killed. And Lang's all, I, I, I was looking for the clues, I swear. And the shit kid's all, he's your enemy, Gary. Call him your enemy. And Gary looks at that shit kid, then back please, at Lang. Please, sir, do anything, <laughs> but please don't use the silver sight to obliterate me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Gary looks at that shit kid, then back at Lang, and he says, you should have told us the truth. Ling apologizes as the kid as the kid eggs Gary on to obliterate this old ass man. <laughs> He's saying, "This is just the beginning." Gary's all, "Yeah, I know who the true enemy is, and I'm gonna stop him." And we cut over to the kid whose hair is now blowing in the wind, and he's laughing it up, saying, "Use it, use it." Gary calls out, "The true enemy." It's you. The kid's all, what? We watch the silver sight <laughs> rise up from Gary's hand as the kid yells, no, you can't do that. And it glows silver and all the kids watch on and lifts up in the air and the kid screams, no. And there's the sonic boom explosion from the silver sight. And then it erupts into like flying souls. Yeah. <laughs> they fly all around the old people and then around the gang until it flies near the wife kid. And then they form into like blue glowing human sized souls and they they fly over to the wife kid again whose eyes blacken and he screams no again as the skeletal souls start swarming around him. Uh, it's pretty cool. He stands up from the bench. It's all right. And then he morphs into a white haired demon man and he screams out no again as the souls start moving through his body and its eyes eyes and mouth widen and it just keeps going like it kind of looks like a broken a broken gift to me <laughs> yeah so i put in my notes that the effects of this whole sequence looked like shit until this part where he's dying and i was like oh okay that's actually scary as hell <laughs> yeah it's pretty great 
It's really effective. Finally, he just implodes on himself and he is gone. <laughs> I love that they turned this kid into like the real form of the demon. I kind of wish it would have been that the whole way, but like I get, you know, you can't just be like, hey, there's this fucking scary demon man. And the kids would be like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Know, you know, Pennywise was like always scary, even when he wasn't trying to kill you. Yeah, it is kind of a Pennywise kind of thing, isn't it? I just like the thing I hate is this kid's dumb wig. Yeah. I hate looking at it. It looks so dumb. You're just jealous that you don't have that wig. Like, why does he have to be a 1840s street urchin? I don't get it. Why that form of all things? Like, I wouldn't trust a kid like that if I saw it. If you were trying to take the form of something someone would, like, trust and not, you know, instantly hate, yes. why that? I'd be like, hmm. trying to steal my wallet. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> also, why do you exist? This isn't a Charles Dickens novel. I don't know. You know what, though? I will say, I thought the kid did a good job of his acting, for the most part. Yeah, he's not bad. I just hate his dumb wig. Yeah, his wig is pretty fucking stupid. The merry-go-round shoots back to life. The lights go on, and it starts moving. And Gary backs up as we see all the souls in the Silver Sight materialize and are riding the merry-go-round. We get a look at them, and they're all in, like, different styles of clothing and time periods. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, that's a cool touch. Yeah, they're all waving to the kids, and, like, Vange waves back until they fade away, and the merry-go-round dies down again. But they had, like, you could clearly tell, like, some Victorian-aged, like, people and some colonial American people. Like, it was cool. It wasn't exactly, like, an entire war, like, an entire army of people, but... Hey, that kid could have been lying. You don't know. It's like a carousel full of people. Yeah, right. Megan looks on saying, they've all been released. And Grandma runs over to Gary and gives him a hug. And he tells her, it's over. And she nods. And Andy walks up to Gary asking where the silver sight is. Gary tells him that it disappeared. And he thinks that... did you not just see that uh, giant (laughs) explosion? (laughs) Gary tells him that it disappeared. And he thinks when when it lost the souls, it lost its power. Quinn looks over saying, what about him? And we cut over to Lang, who's sitting on the floor of the merry-go-round, even though it was just spinning, but eh, whatever. Well, yeah, it's, he's on the floor. He's dizzy. <laughs> Gary, we didn't see him with all those ghosts and just <laughs> sitting there spinning. He was just <laughs> whipping around like, whoa. <laughs> I was in a wheelchair like a week ago. <laughs> Gary runs over to him and kneels down to him saying, you all right? Ling says, yes, I am now. And Gary helps him up as he says, your grandfather would have been proud of you, son. Vange runs up saying, Gary, does this end the story? And he nods saying, yeah, the story ends here. He should have looked at the camera at this point. Cue credits. They, Yeah, but they look at Bob, Vince, and Mr. Gregory, and they just kind of walk away without saying anything. And their whole point to being there was just useless. <laughs> yep. Gary puts his arm around Vange, and they all walk away, too. But Gary stays behind for a moment, and we hear another whoosh. And he turns around to see Grandpa Gene, who waves at him with a smile. Gary nods, and then Grandpa's gone. Um, So does that mean that Grandpa was in the Silver Sight the, the whole time? Yep, he was being tortured for all eternity. Okay, cool. That scene fades to the campfire, and the camera pans up to a kid in a sweater vest. And he's saying... So the demon boy never trapped another soul because the silver sight was destroyed forever. The end. We cut over to a girl who's nodding her head saying, good story, Jean. Back with Jean, he says, thank you, Eleanor. 
Lang, can you put out the fire? And a young Lang candle stands up saying, sorry, gotta run. And he leaves and up stands Bruce saying, it's okay, I got it, Gene. And Eleanor tells him, thanks. And Donna stands up to walk next to Gene asking, nothing like that could ever happen to us, could it? Gene tells her, not in a million years, as Bruce dumps water on the fire. And that is the end of the episode, the end of the series. We're fucking done. We're done, Brandon. All right. <sighs> this has been up all night. See you. I have to say, Brandon. Yeah. So it's implying that Gene has just made up the story about all of his friends fucking dying because they used an evil yeah, charm. Machine Sean again. Exactly. Like, what an asshole. If I was Bruce, I'd be like, so you killed me first, huh, you motherfucker? Yeah. What an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the story about how you all die. Because you're greedy motherfuckers. Donna, you wanted to be popular so bad? Well, it killed you. Like, you stupid idiot. Eleanor, you fucking trash human. <laughs> now you're living in the <laughs> sewer. <laughs> I have to say, if I was part of a club with you and you told me the story about how I fuck up my life, I would be so mad at you. It's not very nice. No. And also, he created the entire concept of the internet. Yeah, he did. on the computer looking for Bruce at one point. So true. Yep, Gene. Gene, whatever his last name Gene, is. Gene, creator of the internet. <laughs> he was like... <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, you're Donna, you're going to have a boyfriend, and he's going to suck so bad, and he's going to draw a picture of you, and um, <laughs> he's going to buy the farm. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's <laughs> so yeah. The end. The end of the series is uh, the Midnight Society never existed at all. <laughs> it was all just a story. All these years we're watching this were wasted. Yeah, it was all just a story from a group of people in like the forties or whatever. <laughs> the end. I do got to say, though, Brandon, we have, like, five new characters in this one scene to meet, so let's meet them real quick, okay? Sure. We got young Gene. He's played by Matthew Smiley. What a name. He was in 2001, A Space Travesty. He was also in Chasing Holden, and he directed and produced a documentary called The Highway of Tears. Right, good for Young him. Eleanor was played by Alexandra Clermont, Clermont, who was in a few other things like Lassie, 36 Hours to Die, and The Best Bad Thing. Young Lang Candle was played by Ian Benny Anderson, who was apparently in The Tale of the Time Trap as Kid Number One. I don't know who that was at all. He was also in The Sleep Room in 1998 and Two Naughty Schoolgirls in 2007, which was not a porno. Oh. I looked it up. Oh. Yeah. Young Bruce was played by Anthony Edison Bedard, who was in an episode of The Worst Witch in 1998. Good job. Young Donna was played by Sydney Freeston, whose only other credit was one episode of The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. And that's the gang, Brandon. That's the OG Midnight Society. I think we should rank them real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gene's the worst. Yeah. Tells a story about all of his friends dying. Lane Candle, uh, he's pretty all right. <laughs> I mean, he took off pretty quickly. Like, come on, stay and help pick up everyone's crisp Popcorn. packets. <laughs> right. Their astronaut food. That was probably a thing back then. <laughs> Everybody loved. Uh, Donna. How about Donna? She was pretty great. She was like, oh, I'm Donna. None of this shit you just told me was going to happen to us, is it, G? 
And then Eleanor, you got Eleanor. Uh, she didn't do anything, so that's the Midnight Society. Boom. Yep, she's bottom tier. <laughs> um, that was that's it though, Brandon. Um, I don't know. I is there much else to say about this specific episode? No. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't have anything else to say about this episode. I think. Uh, I think the scenes that it shines are really good. I really wish we could. We should have just watched it all in one go. I think we would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, overall, I thought the story was fun. I'm really glad that the Midnight Society members got to shine. I wish that there was something like this in season one through five that let them shine as well. Because um, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I feel like people complain about like... So, so there's obviously there's two more seasons at this point. Um, there's the 2019 reboot, there's the 2021 season that's currently at this point still going on. It's only had three out of the six episodes. And I feel like a big complaint that people seem to have is that we want to hear the campfire stories and we're tired of, you know, spending so much time with the Midnight Society or whatever. And I don't mind it. I get, I get it both ways. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I get the complaints and I mean, if the story's good, the story's good. That's what you come to Are You Afraid of the Dark for. Exactly. Yeah, regardless of it happens to the Midnight Society or if it's this random hodgepodge of kids that the Midnight Society create, you know, it doesn't matter. It's We're here for the spooks. We're here for the story. We're here for the fun camera work, the music, like the atmosphere. That's what we're here for. The fun of an anthology show is the variety, though. Yeah, true, true. Different settings, different kind of scares, and also different tones. You can have radically different, like, you know, Tale of the Full Moon and Tale of dark music like those are very different right shows that's kind of what i've loved about doing this show so far is i i didn't realize how how crazy some of these episodes were like full moon or i mean ghastly grinner yeah but gruesome gourmets like yeah like what was that compared to anything else even the silliness of like super specs and and renegade virus versus like the horror of night shift and dead man's float and um you know quicksilver even it's just there's so there's such a range and that's something that i didn't really realize when i was growing up it was just it was are you afraid of the dark it's all spooky there's no funny stuff like it's all serious you know and i was wrong Mm -hmm. and it's been really fun to look back and watch at this point every episode we've watched the entire series and uh it was a lot of fun a lot of fun that's wild to me there's a lot of series that i consider my favorite TV shows that I have not seen every episode of. Yeah, same here. There's entire seasons <laughs> of Futurama that I've never seen. Me too, yes. And I fucking love Futurama. Uh, Futurama's great, yeah. What do you think the moral of the story is? The moral of the story is that nothing you do matters because it's all just some story created by some nerd yes. at a campfire. Yeah, your whole entire life is just a boring story of tragedy that's told by a dude in glasses and a sweater vest (laughs) uh don't buy an amusement park it'll kill you shit it's not don't buy the farm it's don't buy the amusement park all right that's way better yeah i don't know it's probably something like trust the group or something (laughs) the power of friendship some such nonsense the power of friendship kills little children (laughs) implodes them that's all I got. Um, so now, after three episodes, I think we can finally give The Tale of the Silver Sight an alternative name. 
But what should it be named? All right. Um, the, the tale of the, the shit, shit kid. kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, but you, you can use that to sync up our tracks. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, the tale of the side quest. Yeah, that was this whole thing. The tale of Gary. The tale of Gary. The tale of the Midnight Society. Yeah. When it comes down to it, that's really what it is. That's. I think that's all I got, really, Brandon. I don't know. Silver Sight's pretty good. I don't. I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty descriptive of what's going on. <laughs> but, fuck, Brandon. This is it. We're done. This is the original run of the show. Yeah. When we started this show, there, this was the there end. There are more things called Are You Afraid of the Dark? But this is the end of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. We spanned ten years of entertainment. I mean, from 1990 to 2000. We've been, we've been at this for almost two years. I was dreading getting to this point. But I'm so glad that we stuck it out and we are done. It it seemed like so long away. It did, really did. When we got to season four, I was like, this is going kind of fast, but shoot, we're only halfway done. And then now we're here. And um, I will say, you know, a lot of people are probably wondering what we're going to do next. And I think what we're going to do next is talk about season seven. Yeah. We're going to do a uh, wrap up just like we do every season. Yeah. I think what we should do is uh, we should come up with a top 10, each of us, of the whole series. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So we'll rank rank season seven, but also I want to hear what you think are the 10 best episodes of the whole show. Okay. I want to hear your top 10, too. So, yeah, let's... uh, Let's finish off the show in style. I think that's all I got, Brandon. Yeah. We covered everything. All right. Seven seasons of are you afraid of the dark yeah we did all right well i i'm done brandon we just got done with the entire series i'm tired i'm going back to bed i've been up all night i am gonna go rest and think about what i just watched for the last 13 weeks (laughs) and uh i will i'll talk to you next week when we talk about all of season seven and um i think we can give our thoughts on the entire series thus far Sound good to you? Yes. Yes, it does. All right. I will talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. It's just a goof.